You're listening to the Art of Floating podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Art of Floating podcast, where float centers thrive. It's great to be back here for another weekly episode where we tell stories of our running our float centers. We love giving tips on floating, uh, excuse me, on running a float center, uh, starting a float center. We love giving updates from around the world on floating and sharing media and such of what's going on on social media and in the news. And uh, you can find us on social media, on Facebook, with uh, the name The Art of Floating Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, at Artful Floating. And you can join the conversation on the show here by leaving us a voicemail. It's called SpeakPipe. If you click on the gold bar on the left side of the screen of our website, theartoffloating.com, you can uh, click on that and leave a voicemail for, I think, up to five minutes. So you can really, really get things off your chest. So um, if we say something that you want to add to or you disagree with, anything like that in this episode, uh, just click on that gold bar and um, we'll go ahead and play it on the show and and um, probably give our, our feedback on that as well, which, which we'll actually be doing today for a listener. Um, speaking of which, today's episode is all about listener feedback. Um, we've uh, got... Got uh, feedback from all, all sorts of different spots uh, around the web, and we have a, a SpeakPipe voicemail. We have a somebody left a blog post comment on on the website. I received an email that I wanted to share, and I really was curious what everybody else's answers were to this. And um, and then uh, we'll we'll get into a few other things about uh, the podcast as well. And um, but before we get into all of that, how are you guys doing? How are you, Amy Grimes? I am fantastic, thank you. Absolutely. Amy Grimes owns Float Nashville uh, with her business partner, Mark. And Lance, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. How's the float shack? The float shack is groovy. <laughs> nice. Speaking it of would groovy, be groovy. Yeah. Uh, you know, sadly, nobody else can see Lance's sweater. I think we need to start uh, making a yeah. Lance sweater post on the blog along with the, uh, yeah. show, with the show notes. Yeah, you're Looking right. Um, handsome there, Lance. I like it. Fortunately, he did just post a picture uh, of his uh, of his sweater <laughs> online. So, yeah, you know what? Everybody's missing out by not being able to see that. It gives us the energy we need to record the show. So we should really be passing that on to everybody else. And it seems like it's a different sweater every episode. I don't know how that's possible. Uh, thrift shops. Thrift shops are an amazing place to get nice $4 sweaters. Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't think my girlfriend is a big fan of it. Actually, I know my girlfriend is not a big fan of them, but I sort of do what I want. Live my own life. Be a big fan. Sort of on the the edge. Yeah, Yeah, right. On the edge for sure. Yeah, very edgy with that very comfortable looking sweater. (laughs) Sweet. Uh, Before we get too far into the show, I do want to thank our sponsors, Float Away. Uh, the simple act of floating in warm, salty water is the most relaxing experience on Earth. This has been Floataway's byline for more than 15 years. It's true for each of the eight different models and in all 40 or so countries where happy customers float in Floataway float tanks. Floataway is proud of the specially equipped around pools in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where research is really putting floating on the mainstream map. You can check them out at www.floataway.com and find out how the company has pioneered new techniques, new shapes, and new ideas in floating. The founders, Colin and Ginny Stanwell-Smith, are world experts on every aspect of flotation technology. Floataway is a family business within the floating family. And again, you can find them at floataway.com. I think um, we're going to start with the speak pipe. So um, everybody, this is uh, Blake, and here is his voicemail. Hey, guys. Uh, This is Blake from Texas. And first of all, I want to say thank you guys for the awesome podcast that you are creating and have been sharing with the float community Uh, it has been an invaluable resource and I found it so informative uh, just starting on my journey of having my own float center my crazy question is would building tanks from the outset be just a crazy idea I do have at my disposal Uh, I am a general contractor of sorts, and so I do have subcontractors at my disposal, plumbers, electrician, carpenters. Um, And so would it be crazy to build my own tank from the beginning? Again, thanks for everything that you guys have uh, given in the podcast. 
and uh, I look forward to hearing much more. Thanks. Thank you for listening, Blake. Thank you for your voicemail as well. Um, I uh, I thought this was great because I think there is some amount of experience in this among the three of us to some degree. Um, yeah, good question. Amy, you, you probably have the most experience, am I right? Well, I, I shouldn't say myself, but yeah. Uh, so Mark, uh, my, my partner, he decided uh, six months into our business, five months into our business, that he was going to build his own tank. Mm-hmm. And he has, uh, he, he studied. First of all, he did go to quite a few centers. He asked a lot of questions. And it is kind of a hobby of his. He likes to build. He's mm-hmm. not a contractor at all. He, he doesn't have any background <laughs> in any of this. Um, and I was a little reticent to allow that to happen. <laughs> Because uh, I knew that we, you know, if we spent the money on that, there was no way we were going to get any other tank. That was going to be the end of our money, and we would be uh, in trouble. So mm-hmm. I was a little nervous, and I, I admit, I doubted him. Mm-hmm. And we ended up with a really amazing tank that people love and adore. Uh, now he's continuing to build. He builds tanks and putters around all the time, um, <laughs> and he is working on another tank uh, just for his own pleasure. No intents oh. to sell. Uh, he, just has fun. So I think there are some people who really have a passion for that, but it does take a lot of work and a lot of questioning and a lot of experience with other tanks, I believe, um, at least watching Mark with his, his experience. So I, I don't think it's cr- too crazy, uh, but okay. I would ask, you know, how many, how many tanks have you floated or have you been an right. avid floater? Okay, cool. Um, and what kind of tank did he build? His uh, first tank was an uh, open tank. Okay, and he's since built a closed tank. And he has, he's actually working right now. He's trying out, I don't know if it's going to be the final, <laughs> who knows what's going to be the final. He's trying sure, a chamber sure. right now. He's going to, and, and uh, he is developing just for fun a closed tank. I don't know whether that's going to, what's going to happen with that, but he is building a chamber right now. Wh- what do you mean by chamber? So um, the, the tall, like, uh, like the tall walls. The float room sort of thing. The float thing. rooms, thank or you. Cabin. Cabins, sure. Cabins, okay. yeah. So when you said chamber, I was uh, thinking uh, the the other type chamber rest, which is a dry gotcha. float tank, basically. Gotcha. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, so just yeah. wanted to double like check. Like a float cabin. Mm-hmm. Got it. Uh, Lance, do you have any experience with float tank building design? Uh, no, I do not. But it's something I do plan on doing. Um, I don't think it's crazy to do yourself if do it yourself if you do have the experience with it. Um, you know, if you choose to use an acrylic or fiberglass or even build a frame of your choosing and use a liner, um, it is possible. But again, um, someone like Amy, um, where their state is very, you know, everything has to pass inspection. Uh, you could put in hours upon hours upon hours of work and it still may not be good enough for your for your health approval. Um, but it is possible there. That's, that's a good point. Some manufacturers may not agree with this statement, but they are, they're not the most complicated things to build. You, they need to be soundproof. They need to be light proof and they need to hold water and be salt resistant. So, um, I do challenge you to do it, which, but. which is a tough, tough order. The salt resistant part mm-hmm. is, uh, that's a tall order. Um, so Sandra and I made a modified a float tank one that was designed to be like a float room you know very very tall ceilings and so we had the basically the tub with heaters attached and a filtration system and basically we we threw out the walls and created a frame for it to to drop into um and that's our infinity tank or our open tank I'll, i'll put a picture of that on the website um and amy would you mind uh posting a picture of of uh your open tank as well yeah i'd be happy to it's, it's really beautiful thank you um, mm-hmm. um and my i completely agree with what you guys are saying i think it's it's all fantastic although your expertise in things like fiberglass oh, okay so there are a few things i want to i want to cover one is doing this while you're opening your business. Um, and as far as I can tell, Blake is doing this by himself. I don't know if that's the case. Maybe he's, he's working with other people. But um, whew, I, I wish I had another business partner during the opening, uh, somebody who could think about marketing, things like that, while I'm doing construction. And uh, we were spread thin. We were spread so thin. Um, and maybe, Blake, maybe you've run your own business before if, if you're a general contractor maybe you're you're used to um setting up businesses and 
maybe it's not as much of a tall order for you to also be designing a float tank. But for in my point of view, that's a lot of work to be doing while setting up your float center. But on the other flip side of that, if you need to cut financial quarters, corners, Amy, did you save money? Did, did you guys? We did tremendously. Yeah. Okay. Because float tanks are not cheap. Um, that and is true. Uh, <laughs> they're not cheap, but they are experienced builders. Mm-hmm. And you, pr- I mean, by all means, I, I don't know that there is a perfect float tank out there um, that, that answers every potential issue or, or problem. But these are people who have been floating for a long time, working with floaters for a very long time, and designing these float tanks, pods, cabins, whatever you want to call them, all these different things based around experience. And mm-hmm. experience is pretty pretty priceless when yeah. you don't quite know all the potential issues that, that could come up. So, mm-hmm. um, oh, oh, Sorry, go ahead. And the manufacturers do a good job at making them look pristine. I know yes. if I was to build one, I'm sure it would do its job and hold everything it needs to hold, but it will not have that you know, that, that beautiful picture perfect look that a lot of these cabins and pods have themselves. That was exactly my second point was that, and you'd also have to know your uh, either strengths or limitations and aesthetics as well. I know a lot of times people, when, when they're really good at the form, the function might be there and, and vice versa. So, and another thing to definitely think of if you're planning on building your own float tank is um, if you're spending the money on purchasing from a manufacturer, you should be getting a warranty for that. So for the first year or two years, whatever warranty you get, you don't have to worry if something fails Um, versus building it yourself. If you screw something up because you do it wrong, um, not only is a liability on you financially, but the downtime. Um, If your tank's not running for for a week because you're waiting on parts, um, that could cost you a lot more than just uh, a bit of bit of money. Yeah. Um, so we're working on our isopod float room right now. So, by the way, I forgot to introduce myself at the top of the show. The show. I'm Dylan Calm. I own the <laughs> float shop in Portland, Oregon with my wife, Sandra Calm. Um, we uh, have three float tanks, massage, acupuncture, all these different things. But we're adding um, a fourth float tank. And we have been uh, burning the candle at both ends while doing this for, for quite some time. Uh, we decided not to shut down. Uh, during build-out to make sure that our employees still had paychecks, basically, still had hours. Otherwise, we would have just shut down um, and just done this within a a few weeks. But we have been doing this for 16 Tuesdays now. So if that gives you any kind of timeline, which I am starting to peter out, by the way. Um, That is is starting to get rough. It's not a... It's funny. It's just been spread out for so long. It's just hard every Tuesday to know that you're waking up to, to do this thing that you've been working on since, you know, late last year. Um, anyway, but that's not my point. <laughs> my, my point is, is that uh, Isopod, when you when you buy them new, um, it does come with a warranty and they actually fly out and install it for you. Um, now ours is, uh, although it's unused, it is technically used. Um, and I, I actually think they were willing to come out and, and install it. Um, but just because of timelines and stuff and, and with our crazy schedules, I, I don't think it, it's going to work out. Um, that, that may change. But anyway, my point is is you can even save headache on the installation process. And basically, they can tell you <laughs> this is where the filter goes. Salt goes in, in the door. The water goes in the door. That's all you need to know. Now, do you need to know water maintenance and stuff like that? Yes, but that's different than making a float tank. And basically, it can be push button and go. Or at least close to that, if I'm understating that too much. Rather than understanding every aspect of it, which I personally enjoy. Yeah, there's a lot to um, there's a lot to think about when building a float tank. Um, you know, if you have somewhere where moisture does get in and it starts to rot, um, you then have mold in a float tank. Uh, you do not want that. You know, the manufacturers they've tried and tested. They, they guarantee it. Uh, I think starting off, and that you bring up a good point. Starting off, I'd focus on building your center. <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> now, now. Now my brain's just working all about like there's so many ifs ands, right. and buts where, you know, your first year is a crucial year for business. Um, if you're, you know, constantly having to go maintain your float tank mm-hmm. because you're still learning, mm-hmm. um, that could be a big downset. Hmm. That's and a great will, question. Thank you for yeah, that. Yeah, it is. It is. And I will say that the reason Mark is working on his tanks now and finishing them up is because I told him they did need to be done by the time we started build out in the project because I needed his oh, attention and his energy to be on the 
on the actual build out. So, right. uh, so the timing is very important. That is a very, very good point to make, guys. Amy, do you feel, and I, I know this, it's funny to talk about your business this way, but do you feel like you hit the mark with that float tank um, as far as aesthetics and and. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've never been in it, but it looks beautiful from well, the pictures I've seen. Thank you. There are some things aesthetically that I would change, which he has. <laughs> he is going to uh, make some changes on the next on the next one. Okay. Uh, but we get so many compliments on it. It really is beautiful. Nice. And, okay. and man, he nailed it. It gives good float. Cool. It <laughs> <laughs> gives good float. Wow. Wow. Nice. Um, couldn't ask for any, anything more, no, could you? No, you really can't. Um, so that is an example of positive experience building a float tank during, I mean, not, not technically building it during launching, but yeah, but before construction, but while launching the business and it, it meeting the point of uh, being aesthetically attractive to clients and giving good float. So sweet. <laughs> let, let that not be a phrase we keep. I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the truth, y'all. Just the truth. Can I add a little bit more about the the isopod thing? Yeah. Uh, just it, it's our it's our new float tank. It's our fourth float tank, and actually this Saturday we actually brought it into the float shop, which was really exciting. So it's been in a storage unit less than a mile away. It was kind of funny. I I went to the U-Haul, which is halfway between the float shop and where the, the storage unit, and the guy says, you know, how many miles are you going to be driving? How how many miles are you going to cover? And I was like, uh, maybe two. And he goes, minimum's five. I. <laughs> I need to fill in five. I was like, all right, <laughs> that doesn't affect me in any way. I didn't even fill up the tank after using it. I don't know if I'm going to get charged to have them add more more gas to the tank. But actually, I just forgot to do that. But I can't imagine I use much. Um, but yeah, uh, so moving float tanks is the most stressful thing per minute in my life. I think I've I've done it several times now. <laughs> And nothing stresses me out more. I, I don't know if you guys have had these instances or not. Nope. Pretty casual. Yeah. It's scary. It's terrifying. <laughs> Lance is shrugging his shoulders. I don't. I, we've had one issue where we brought up the stairs and then realized we couldn't turn it through the door. So we had to bring it back down the stairs and mm-hmm. turn it. But uh, other than that, we have good. Our tanks are easy to move and, and our rooms are designed so they flow in and out. And um, Well, I think all tanks are technically designed to move around corners and all that stuff. They always give little blueprints about how mobile they are. Um, we sort of cut like all down our hallway and everything where room would normally be square. We sort of cut that off at a 45. So tanks are very easy to go in and out. We, we designed it with that in mind. But uh-huh. we do have Oasis tanks and they are quite, you know, manu- maneuverable, I guess cool. you can say. Um, um I think our float tanks are technically maneuverable, but we're in a 1904 tiny house. And <laughs> people apparently were a lot smaller, more Hobbiton style <laughs> back then. They didn't have isopods in, when they built that house? Um, you know, I'm going to have to check the history books on that one. I don't think they had them in the Shire, if that's what you're asking. Um, Amy, did, you were saying it is stressful? It is. Well, uh, with ours, our oasis, it's true. Oasis are pretty easy to move around, but... Because our center is so tiny, <laughs> right. uh, it was, and and bless them, I, I, I feel bad saying this. Um, so we had a crew, some friends that came in to move it, and there was some there was some banging on walls that made me, <laughs> like, cringe, and yes. uh, there was some swearing involved, you know. No, uh, no. no. <laughs> I swear, if we had a swear jar back then, we would have we made bank. We probably could have bought a new float tank. I right. Float tank <laughs> new. Uh, so it was, a, it, was a, it was a little rough. Uh, but uh, yeah, next time we're we're uh, building for the float tanks, it won't be nearly an issue. Right. The next time cool. around, we're smart. Er. Um, smarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, smarter. Um, our floatarium float tank is the company's out of business. I think they sold the the model to a few other companies, like the, the design for it, but they don't make them anymore. And so, like, I couldn't call somebody for the exact measurements of this thing. And so, uh, and mind you, this is before, I mean, yeah, there was a float industry, but not quite the way it is today. And there's not the network that there is today where now we're in contact with uh, people who own floatariums and it's easy to find new people who own floatariums. I was measuring this thing for about four months. Every once in a while, I would just try to take new measurements and I'd get different numbers every time because there are no 
angles on the float tank. It's all <laughs> curves. It's just a series of curves on this thing. And so I never knew if it was actually going to fit. And, you know, it breaks apart into two pieces. And so we had a bunch of people there. It was actually a really easy move, but I just get so wound up in my head. And um, the, the edges, actually, I, I took the, the door off for sure and the hinges. But then as we brought it in, it just kissed the sides of the door. I mean, just literally just left a little bit of black on the door of the rubber uh, along the side of the float tank. It's like, oh, my God. Because if it didn't fit, then we we're going to have to take out a lot more of the, the door frame and everything. So that was going to be get a little more intense. Um, yeah, so uh, Tranquility, we had to take out a, a piece of our wall to, to get it in as well. Because that, uh, unfortunately, we designed that in the most difficult, like tightest <laughs> corner of a hallway to, to get into. So that was fun. Um, yeah. I was going to say, you know, uh, you and uh, Sandra were together back then as well. So your relationship survived the movement of float tanks that's saying a lot that's fantastic you obviously did all right yeah it's <laughs> a big relationship hurdle i'm pretty sure yeah she's gonna hate me for talking about this next part uh which is just that like i would always say like so we we were did the float center before we got married we we just got married in august and so um i always thought like this is a way bigger deal than getting married is starting this float business together we are we have been through every up and down, every stressor. We have all these contracts that are bonded between the two of us. Um, so I didn't feel like a, a certificate was going to make that big of a difference. I stand corrected. <laughs> I stand corrected. It's, it's a very different thing. But man, yeah, that put us through our paces for sure. Some, some serious rough patches and some ridiculous highs that other couples don't get to experience um, because they're, they, don't, they just don't share things the way that we do. Mm. Um, um, Oh yeah. So if I if I can continue, I know I'm rambling here a little bit, <laughs> more than a little bit. Uh, we we bring in the isopod float tank and just maybe it's Pavlovian response at this point, but it's float tank move day and I get I get stressed. But I'm also a boss now and we have employees and we have volunteers and and like now I know to like keep a really positive attitude and we're having fun and everything. But secretly in the back of my brain, I it's just it, I'm just in the red, stressed out. We're carrying something the price of a car with with uh, a bunch of uh, kids, you know? We're all just just kids <laughs> carrying this ridiculously expensive thing that doesn't, people don't identify it as a Porsche. You know, they don't, don't see it as, oh, this is worth a ton of money. It's hard for your brain to process that. You, you know what I'm saying? That, mm -hmm. that disconnect and, oh. but I mean, everybody's been awesome. They're being super respectful, it's great, but, um, it, in, in my head, I'm, I'm freaking, freaking the hell out. And uh, with that being said, it, it was actually a piece of cake. It was really easy. And we ended up using straps uh, to, to, to pick it up and lift it and cool. move it on its side. And uh, we, we did leave a section of our wall unbuilt to, to get it into place. And that worked out great. So all's well. It's done. It's nice. in there. I saw the yeah. pictures. It looks yeah. good. It looks pretty. I'll post some for the, for the website. It does. It's a beautiful float tank. The room looks like a float room now. It's really cool. The The wall's already sealed up with sheetrock from today's construction. And um, I didn't know how to feel about it. I was just so wound up. Um, and then the next morning I woke up and just went, oh, the float tank's in its room. Awesome. Like, I was able to let go and just, just appreciate it. So, ah, that was exciting. Hmm. Congrats. Thanks. Yeah, it should mean big things for us. Um, let's see here. Lance, were you going to say something? No, I was just saying that's exciting. It's finally there. Oh, thank Sam, you. You just got to get some salt in there. Oh, there's a little bit more. <laughs> there's <laughs> a little bit more that needs to be done. Yeah, we're, we're almost there, though. Um, there, there is some crazy stuff we're doing with the floor. Uh, since we have a floating wood floor with this ultra uh, marine flooring, it, we, we're trying some new stuff with that, and we'll see how it works long term. But uh, I'll, I'll get more into that in another show, I'm sure. Um, so there is an email that, um, oh, I'm sorry. This was actually a blog post from our last episode. Our last episode was all about logos. And, uh, we all talked about our, our thoughts on logos, shared other people's logos and, and shared their thoughts on their own logos. We also had Brian, our, uh, behind the scenes guy on that show he's he's a bit of a tech guy so he he shared some links and everything so um if you're if you haven't designed your logo yet i would encourage you to uh go back to that episode and, and give it a listen um so uh 
I, I will say that uh, I believe it's Emily who, who left this message here, but um, she gives a couple links at the end. We're not going to read out the, the links there, but if you do want to check them out, just go to the episode uh, logos, logo design and find her comment, and, and you can see the links that she, she brings out. Um, so let me go ahead and give this a read. This was the hardest episode for me to listen to. Uh, that's always a great way to start reading a comment. Sorry. Okay, I will, I will read this without my own commentary. This was the hardest episode for me to listen to. I can always tell the difference between uh, when something was, was designed by someone who has really studied graphic design and understands the principles and when something has been designed by someone who kind of likes or doesn't hate art and needs to make something for their business or maybe their aunt's business. Billboards are the worst for this. Poorly designed billboards inspire accidents. Logos are the face of your company and should be invested in with the same level of seriousness that you invest in your plumbing, flooring, float tanks. I heard some slight mention of it, but not enough. You should really be hiring a designer. In the same way in past episodes, people, people found it wasn't worth it to try and do parts of your own, plumbing, electrical, question mark. Hiring a professional is worth the money. The average price for a logo is $1,000, and you should be prepared to spend as much when contacting a designer. Most have have their portfolios online and you can see what their work looks like. It also never hurts to ask another local business with a very professional looking logo who designed it. 99designs and Design Crown are really bad for design industry, for the design industry. Most designers will not get paid, and knowing this, they don't put in very much time. So the logo you end up with isn't going to be as nice as if you actually hired a designer. Also, when you hire a designer, you can tell them more about your business and your target market, and you, you can ask them to make revisions. It is also totally fine and standard practice to ask the designer for a quote before you begin work. Much has been written about the scourge that is crowdsourcing design and how bad it is for everyone involved save, uh, involved, save the website running the thing. Here are the two articles about it I recommend. And of course, those are the links she's talking about. And then she goes on to say, at the end, Amy talks about the benefits of hiring a designer. Whew! Thank you, Amy. The Pinterest board is a really good suggestion. Photos are key in communicating that. Um, so that was a little bit of a long comment, but I thought it was really valuable and uh, a really strong opinion with some really fine uh, or really quality points in there. So um, I just read that long email. So uh, what are your guys' opinions on that? Well, uh, so I'll, I'll go ahead. I, I admit that the first time around, our priority, as much as I wanted it to be logo and the look, uh, we just didn't have the budget. We were on a bootstrap budget and we made do. That said, there are a lot of drawbacks to that, um, hence the reason being making it a priority this time, um, I'm looking forward to a, a different experience. Um, and I, I totally understand where she's coming from. It, it reminds me a lot of a friend of mine who's a photographer, a wedding photographer, and how the industry is changing, how a lot of people, everybody has a digital camera, um, people mm. are calling themselves a photographer. So mm -hmm. she's, her business has changed, um, quite a bit, um, and in some ways have, has dried up. So, uh, it does have a tendency, the industries are changing. Um, and I completely understand where she's coming from. Uh, and I hope that, uh, that we all find some, uh, <laughs> some ways to find a balance in there because I do mm -hmm. understand. I also understand the float centers who are opening and if they have, uh, using design source or they have a friend who can do it. Uh, there's some advantages to that as well. Um, but we're always uh, striving for, for better and better. And I'm looking forward to working with a local, someone local this time around and having access to that. Yeah, cool. I agree with Amy. When we, when we were first getting started, a thousand dollars was not in the budget for a logo. I would love to be working with a local graphic designer. Um, but it's hard for me to see all the, you know, graph designers in my area and see what, you know, how they do their work and if that portrays what I want. And, um, you know, it, it is a goal, I, I would say, is for me to work directly with a graphic designer. Um, but getting started out, it is pricey. Um, but she does make a very good point. Yeah, I, I felt very mixed on this one. Like, A, like, Yes, I completely agree with what you're talking about. And the other being splitting my attention and finances in that direction as a small business can be really difficult. And um, some of the designs that we saw I thought were fantastic and some were hand-drawn and can even mean we're not a big business. We're a small local business here and there can be a nice feel to that um, kind of 
I don't, I don't know, small town feel, kind of small shop business. And um, I think that's one of the endearing things to, to our logo is that, yeah, that kind of softness to it. So um, I find it interesting. And uh, that being said, when you're looking at the price of everything else that you pay for in your business, $1,000 isn't that much money um, to have something that's going to really represent you well because it is it's outward facing that's what everybody's going to see initially and and there's some judgment from that and the nice thing about having or working with one designer in particular is i think i think i might mention this last week uh you do get that continuity it really is so nice and it, it has been such a it feels so luxurious for me to be able to call up charlie and say hey i've got this project going on and um you know if you could take our logo and i i I'm so bad at this stuff, but I can give him an idea of what I want it to feel like. And we're starting to see this continuity in our brochure, in our rack cards, in our business cards. And um, I don't have to think so much and agonize so much about Mm. it. And uh, whether he was local or not, just working with that one person, um, that has been such a wonderful, spending that extra money has been such a wonderful uh, freeing thing for me as we go forward. Yeah, it creates a nice, consistent product, and it looks very professional, well done, when everything flows with each other. Yeah, and you brought up brochures. Like, yeah, how cool is it when your brochures match your website, your website matches your logo, just everything flows together? And that either costs money right out of the gate, or it takes a long time to you personally to craft that. And like she talks about, there's a difference between a professional and amateurs. And even Sandra is very good at, at Photoshop and design and color choice and everything. But now that we're starting to hire professionals, like uh, the new website that we have coming out, it just kicks our current one's ass. And it just feels like such a better feel for our brand. Um, and like uh, our, our new yoga center, uh, I looked at their brochures and I was like, oh, yeah, this is professional. This is what this is what brochures should look like, and and our newest brochures coming out hit that mark of of quality and professionalism. That that does set you apart. And again, one more time, I just want to re- reiterate that the people uh, about the small business thing is people do like supporting small businesses, and you can even mess things up when you first open. And people are are so okay with it uh, when you first open. They're willing to really let you mess up more and just be rough around the edges and and still still give you credit so um i don't think it's a death sentence to to not have you know a perfect branding across all different media and everything right out of the gate either agreed but it's something to shoot for and it's something it fun to strive yep. for yeah agreed. At, as yep. the money comes in yeah mm-hmm. yeah there was actually another comment that I, I thought would be worth reading here. Uh, it's from Zach King. Short chime in here. In addition to own, owning Float Therapy in California, we also own King Clothing for about 10 years. In August, we are a screen print slash embroidery shop, and we speak Vector. Smiley face. So many people come in with their awesome logo they just designed and now want it on t-shirts, etc. The only problem is it's about 15 colors, and they only want 12 shirts. They are always around this with the... Uh, there are ways around this with the advancement of DTG in our industry these days, but still, it's not rock solid when producing uh, uh, on dark garments and the wear and tear versus screen printing. Screen printing will always win. Embroidery, you are a little better off as colors really do not matter as most machines have 16 colors, I believe. But when it comes to these fancy fade, fades in logos, you just can't get the same look with thread. So you really have to be thinking about all of this before you choose a logo. Yes, your logo may look awesome, but from a branding point, can it transfer to everything you can you can think about with changing without changing the look and feel of it? I can go on and on, but I'll leave it at that. Another smiley face. Love you guys and love the podcast, Zach. Uh, float therapy. Um, I just thought that was another little good bit there. We yeah. we touched on it a little bit in in the previous episode, but um, going in understanding that this logo is going to be in all these different uh, mediums is so important. Um, have you guys had any issues with that? I think I spoke on that a bit. Um, I know our logo has oh, yeah. lots of fading and just small <laughs> yeah. accents in it, which makes it very difficult to do stuff. Um, so, yeah, that wasn't something we considered. Definitely something we learned from. But mm-hmm. as we move forward, that will change. Yeah. Yeah. Same problem with the fading with ours as well. But our our graphic designer was able to make it into a two-color logo that we can use um, so that's helped some, but definitely mm. has a different feel to it. Mm, got it. And that's what Zach's talking about is yes. have the exact feel. Smart stuff. Yeah. 
and I think uh, I talked about it in the last episode, but watercolor, yeah, you can't screen screen print that. <laughs> and we even pay for black and white ads. We pay to have a splash of color just so our logo can can pop. Um, and it just doesn't look good in black and white. So uh, one more uh, reason, um, Amy, who posted earlier, uh, or excuse me, Emily. I'm sorry, Emily. Yeah. Uh, Emily that uh, yeah, it's worth it's worth your time. So they do think about things like that. Right, that exactly. Designer, exactly. they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's like hiring the plumber, the electrician, all these things. They're they're considering all these things that you don't know to consider. Like maybe you can plug in that wire, but there are these other things that you don't know about. Um, that that can be a really big deal. Um, Amy, did you say that your business was shut down before the show? It, well, or- actually, uh, so I live in Nashville, and one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that we, too, have snow days in Nashville, <laughs> um, mostly because uh, in our city we have no salt trucks or anything like that. So our when it snows or when anything happens, our roads are a mess. Mm-hmm. And what I find interesting here in the South, as a, as a Yankee originally, is uh, when there's even a, a report of possible snow flurries, People go freaking crazy down here. I mean, store shelves are empty of bread and milk and toilet paper, and it's 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 crazy. Um, and by the way, this is not for even like an inch of snow. We're talking like a smattering of flurries on the road. People are really okay, freaked out. Got it. Got it. So the it's mo- just so unusual. Uh, it's so unusual, especially like I said, I'm a Yankee. But what happens is, is that we get even before a drop of snow hits the ground. Uh, we'll get phone calls saying, hey, I wanna, I've want i got to cancel my appointment two days away, but we're going to have a snowstorm and it's going to be horrible. Mm-hmm. And in the past, we've gone ahead and you know, rec- uh, certainly respected the client and said, all right, we'll take care of that. Would you like to reschedule? Mm-hmm. But this year we're trying something new and it's actually working out pretty darn good. So when What's they that? call, instead of saying, sure, we'll just cancel it and calling it a day, what we say to them is we are going to waive the last-minute cancellation fee, but why don't you just keep it on there? And then if you want to cancel, you know, half an hour before your appointment, not a problem. And this is what we're seeing happening. What what happens is the snow comes, the roads clear up, and that day gets here, um, and all of a sudden, no problem. They, they have can, an appointment. They have an appointment. They can mm. make it. There's not an issue, and everything works out. So... Uh, we have been trying that pretty successfully, and we did. Uh, we actually have the schools are already closed again tomorrow, um, but we are we are still pretty full on our schedule, and I think we're going to end up actually making money. Where before, you know, those uh, days everybody would be canceled. It was really hard to get people back on the schedule. Right. If they got an appointment, they're going to be there. So that huh. is something we learned this week that is working out really well, and I better credit Mark for that. Mark has started <laughs> doing that and uh, made nice. a difference for us. That's we a cool concept. Yeah, we didn't just eat it for <laughs> this year or so. Lance, do you do you have any cancellation policy like that? I mean, you experience the, the inclement weather <laughs> more than anybody. Every single day. Uh, yeah, right. Middle of summer, even. <laughs> yeah, no, we uh, we don't have a cancellation part policy at all. Well, we just tell people to give us twenty four hours notice, uh-huh. and we tr- we don't really enforce it. We we try to just verbally enforce it, um, but we don't have much for cancellations like that and usually if we get a big storm um it may affect some people from moving around but our city doesn't stop when we get storms or rain or snow <laughs> or blizzards or any, anything so it's just <laughs> it's just a normal part of of nature i guess for us <laughs> but no Gentle i totally under, i understand like if if you're not used to driving in snow or not used to driving in ice, like, right. and especially we have, we put on winter tires on our cars here that are meant for ice and snow and the low temperatures. Sure. So somewhere like Nashville, when you're not used to driving it, there could be people, there could be accidents everywhere because it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So it makes sense. But uh, I have n- never seen a big flux in, in cancellations like that. Wow. That's yeah. crazy to me. <laughs> that is absolutely crazy. We're actually, like, so we're actually lucky because we're, like, it's been really warm, and all the snow's been melting, but everything is wet around here, and then at nighttime, it freezes, so everything gets wet, and then icy in the morning, and then it's wet all day, and then icy, so, yeah, it's definitely warmer than, than past years, that's for sure. Well, 
you even talk about snow at our place and two days worth of reservations are gone in a heartbeat. It's kind of hmm. crazy. So, so we had to do something. It was getting, mm-hmm. it was getting a little out of hand. No, it sounds like a good tactic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And so I think, I think Portland's probably somewhere in between you two, but more on the side of Amy's of not a lot of crazy weather, especially the snow stuff. And so I, I love that idea because you never know when the sun's going to come out. You know, you wake up in the morning and it's icy roads, but two hours later it's melted and everything's fine. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think we'll we'll start doing that. Encourage them, hey, you know, we're just going to keep you on. And if, if things turn out fine, you'll have an appointment. If not, we won't charge you a cancellation. And you're absolutely right because it, it's really hard to get the, the bookings going up again. Yes. I think people just bunker down. You know, if there's a snow day, something like that, people aren't going to. Yeah, just uh, rebook off from a pair of snowshoes. That's what we do. And, you know, they got the snowshoes, so there's no excuse. <laughs> Lance has it down. <laughs> he understood. With yeah, every booking, we, we mail you a pair of snowshoes. Yeah, and so, uh, we got the dog sleds you can use as well. So ah, just take the dog the dogs. sled, the float sled. <laughs> the float sled. Got to do the float sled. <laughs> Amy, we have an email here. Would you, I think I've spoken enough. Would you oh, want to? Absolutely. Just wanted to reach out to thank you for putting on such an informative podcast. It is awesome. So many topics that relate to all us owners out there. I wanted to ask you a question about the electronic waivers. What electronic waiver do you use? Did you make one up or go with a company? And how do you link that to your customer profile? I ask because we are looking into that as well and would like some insight. I heard that there's digital and electronic signatures. One is encrypted and will illegally hold up, and the other will not. Okay, guys, what do you think about that? I'd love yeah. to hear that, too. Um, before before we get into it too much, I would say I don't feel confident enough to talk about the encryption part tonight. Um, I think that's something we should definitely cover in the future, but um, uh, the there, there are certain things that you do want to do, um, and there are also things about backing up uh, waivers that are really important, like I think two different storage places. But um, to, to really get that correct, I think uh, let, let's cover that in a future, future software episode. Hey, Dylan. I do One other thing that he covered that I am curious about, mm-hmm. does your electronic waiver automatically feed the information into your booking program? Um. Into the booking program. Booking or however you keep up. It's our booking program is all-inclusive, so we also keep our records in there. Does your does hmm. your waiver automatically fill in that information? or? No, no, no it no, doesn't. No. Um, so to, to answer his, his first question, we use PDF Expert. Um, I think it's $9.99 on, on the uh, App Store, so we, we do um, use iPads in our place. Um, people click a button to type in their name. They click a, a box below that, and then it, that takes them to a screen where they can sign their fing- with their finger. But I would say that it doesn't um, it, it doesn't flow particularly well because it gives you two options. One is my signature, and the other is customer signature. Well, even though I tell people customer signature every time, which which one do you think they choose? Um, of course, it's it's my finger. <laughs> <laughs> or excuse me, my finger. I was coding Willow there. Oh wow, that's a weird. <laughs> it's my signature. Um, that's where all our power lies, by the way. Um, wow, that was a weird tangent. Okay, anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. So, so I don't actually think I have the best um, waiver form, but I think there are others out there that could do better. Do, do you guys have any ideas? I'm still looking for that one good electronic waiver that would mm-hmm. make my life easy, and I haven't found it yet. Yeah, and nothing, or certainly don't sync up to our software. I mean, it's really just, it saves that document into Dropbox for us. I know for CFC, for surveys and collecting stuff like that, I th- and the Mediflow program, I think they use what's called Email Me form. I don't believe that will sync up with anything either, but it is a way of doing an electronic waiver. Um, I don't know too much about it, though. So can you elaborate a little bit more, Amy, on what exactly you're looking for? So uh, we are using the Booker software, and one thing that I would love is if a client could fill in an electronic waiver with their mm-hmm. with all the information we require, and it automatically feeds into their profile. Um, mm-hmm. Because what's going to happen, and what happens now anyway, is we have paper. First of all, we're killing God knows how many trees every year. Mm-hmm. And we have to 
sit down after a client goes and type all that information again into their profile. So we're uh, doubling up on work, and that's a very frustrating thing. I'm always hoping for that magical uh, that magical program that just takes that information and mm-hmm. sucks it in and automatically places it in the proper so, spot in the profile. So what information are they filling out in your that potential waiver that you're creating? So we do take a uh, name mm-hmm. and email. Uh, we do have asked them for their address. As y'all know, I'm kind of weird about that. I, I don't right. use their, e- their address for anything other than it's nice to know where your clients are coming from. And also we do send out handwritten thank you notes to all of our new people or anybody who signs up for the uh, membership. Hmm. And then we ask why they're there to float that day. We want to see if they're there for pain management or meditative purposes or uh, just we want we want to know what they're what they're uh, they're there to do mm-hmm. so that we can help guide them. And also, once again, we're just collecting information so we can serve them better. Totally. That's cool. I get that. So when they book online, they don't have to put in things like their phone number or they email. Do. They so do. when they book online, that is already in there. Uh, but we still have not as many, but we still have quite a few people who who uh, don't book online. And also when they book online, they don't need their uh, address. They just need their email, sure. phone number, and credit card and name. We use MindBody as our booking software. And I just seen there is a third-party partner they have called Waiver King. Um, you can do waivers, intake forms, questionnaires through MindBody, and that actually will sync up um, everything to your MindBody platform. There okay. is there ah, is stuff out know. there. So. Okay, I want to start. I want to actually. Gosh, if anybody's already using that, please let us know. It's called Waiver um, King, and it looks like it's nine ninety nine a month. So uh, ten bucks course. a month, of course. But uh, you know, <laughs> but it's worth it if it saves yeah. you from doubling up on work. I'll tell you exactly. what. Everybody hates entering the information into the computer. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want those redundancies where somebody else has done the work. You don't want somebody else doing the work for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. Lance, you have some construction going on. You, you mentioned that before the show. Um, but it's not your construction. It's your neighbors. Am, yeah. I, am I right? Yeah, so we're, we're fortunate enough. We've been in this big building all by ourselves um, for, well, since we opened. And luckily enough, the other half of the building has actually sold um, there's actually going in uh, organic market, uh, organic vegan cafe, and uh, gym. So we'll have some cool neighbors, definitely bring some sure. traffic to the area. But for ah, the last cool. couple months, there's definitely been some noise. Um, it started out with them busting up some concrete, and that was the worst. There was a couple weeks there where they had skid steers and jackhammers and everything yeah. going in there just ripping and tearing, and it would be shaking all of our string lights and dust would be falling <laughs> oh, down from the ceiling, which St. Wow. Dustin works when not the dust, but um, Perfect. <laughs> it's definitely uh, it's definitely been noisy. But luckily, as they've uh, moved forward, they're now in the framing stage side of things. So constantly there's air hammers going off and saws and hammers swinging and uh-huh. um, their radio. They like to blast metal music pretty loud. <laughs> and as you're walking up the stairs to our location... When you get to the top, you can go left into where they're doing construction or right into our float center. Wow. And as people are coming up the stairs, that's all they hear is construction <laughs> oh, and God. system of a down and just screaming <laughs> metal. So it's actually, there's not much we can say because the guys are just doing their job, you know, making their day go by quick. But yeah. um, in our front lobby, you can definitely hear the noise quite clear, um, especially the air hammers and the compressors. And people are always quite worried going back into the float tanks, but we've been fortunate enough that the soundproofing we have done has been enough to deter some of the noise from coming through. We've had almost no complaints of people hearing the noise, and if they did hear it, they said it didn't really bug them with their float. Um, But there also is a double cinder block wall um, separating us from... Um, the other half of the building. Nice. Cinder so, block. That's some good soundproof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's been more intimidating hearing the noise and, you know, you're always worrying, wondering if you're going to have that client get out early and yes. you know, having to sort of apologize uh, when it's out of our control. But, yes. um, luckily Oof. things have been good for us. We got our tanks sort of isolated a bit on some drainage tile and some foam matting. Uh-huh. So that does help. And, once people have the earplugs in and their ears are under the water, you know, mm-hmm. that does that does a pretty good job at keeping some of the noise and vibrations out. 
So. Do, you, do you think your customers would be happy, as happy if you hadn't done the soundproofing, put them on mats and all that stuff? Mm, well, I think you'd have a lot more vibration coming through, and, it, you know, it does make the difference. We spent hours, you know, putting a drywall on tracking, making sure none, none of our drywall, everything's floating, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, all the rocks all and everything. Uh, it did go a long ways. Um, cool. Yeah, I know some people are a lot more extreme with their soundproofing than we are, mm -hmm. but I know with what we did, um, it's done its job, and we are quite happy with it. Um, Good. Yeah. And, and yeah, like more extreme, but it's all about where your environment is. I mean, mm -hmm. you're currently facing probably the loudest thing you'll ever experience is... Hopefully, as far well, as I can figure. we're in an area. So our location, when we picked our location, we knew there was going to be a ton of construction in our area. Mm -hmm. So this area is being revamped almost as the new downtown of our city. It Good used to, to be. be used to be the civic yard, so where they'd keep all the all the snow plows and you know all the maintenance <laughs> equipment. And right. now they've ripped all that down. So it's all, you know, they're putting convention center and hotels and restaurants and housing and everything. So. Uh, we've had to deal with uh, roads being ripped up, uh, power lines being put in the ground, and pilings huh. going in. And so we've had to deal with quite a bit. And Okay, got it. <laughs> uh, it's probably not over for us yet, but we, yeah. we did have that in mind. When we did get our location, we have tried to plan ahead for this. So right. there's always room for improvement, um, but we're quite happy with what we've done so far. So don't cheap out on <laughs> sound reduction or noise yeah. reduction. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd have to second that. Yeah, and you just do, put a lot of work into your, your sound. Right, yeah, but but also just like that it shouldn't be doing it afterwards. Retro, retroactive construction and soundproofing is never going to be as no. easy no. Uh, or, or as good, basically, as, as what you can do with a bare room. Mm -hmm. Very true. Amy, what were you going to say? I was going to say, in the cost, if you're trying to retrofit, the cost is always going to be greater, and you're always going to run into problems. And it's just usually <laughs> yes, you put yes. in one thing, and it creates another problem. You put right. in, and that creates another problem. We went through that with our third room. So, hmm. yeah, spend well, the money up front and do it right. Right. And and also, it, it's uh, with the third room, you were already open, right? Yes, we were already open. Yeah, um, so and we thought we had done a good job, but we figured all we had to do is just do this one wall. Well, then uh, that caused other issues, and oh. it just kind of, we ended up uh, blowing our budget out a little bit. <laughs> Fortunately, Mark built that tank, so <laughs> we saved some money there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it just turned into, it's never been as good as the other two rooms. Got it. Um, oh, really? Eat to this day? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And it's so hard to have to close down, too, uh, when, when so much your customers and employees are relying on you uh, to be open. It's, uh, and now you got to pay rent and everything. Like beforehand, yeah. when it's all within your budget and plans to, to do it initially, oh, my gosh, do your research. Make, mm -hmm. make sure it's the right stuff. And there is more than one way to soundproof, too. So like Dale said, do your research. Um, right. There's ways of doing it uh, cheaper way and there's ways of spending a lot more money but it is, it's all what yeah. you want to get out of it yeah and and also know your environment um if you're next to a creek and it's a a single road access for for five miles you're gonna have need different things than if if you're like the float shop on on 23rd where there's heavy traffic and and lots of trucks going by and and also knowing the frequency is it really high pitch stuff is it is it voices is it bassy rumbles um you know, different soundproofing for different uh, frequencies is really important as well. So, And not only soundproofing, but I think um, the vibrations are a killer. Yes. Uh -huh. uh, I know a center Absolutely. just south of us, the city south of us, um, they're next door to a chiropractic center, which is good for business. You're getting, you know, the same type of clientele going in front of your business, but they use a drop table. So throughout the day, they're slamming people down this table and he has oh. been battling troubles with that uh, ever since no. he opened up. He has no way of isolating it because it's such a big blunt slam and they never know when it is. So uh, know your environment, do your research. If you want spend a day inside the, the place yes. you're looking to lease and see what's around mm. you, sit there and try and be quiet for a day and see what you hear. Yeah, if you have a real estate agent showing you the place, don't trust the time that they bring you in. I've, I've heard a few horror stories. <laughs> Spend time there, absolutely. And yeah. get the app on your phone that, that tells you the volume of things coming in, too. Mm. What were you going to say? Oh, I've heard that horror stories, too, where um, 
people are located under a subway or by a train and the landlord would bring them on off times where the train wouldn't be going by. And then, uh, you know, you I sign a lease and next thing you know, your whole building is shaking. No bueno. No bueno. Um, but, uh, yeah, so speaking of research, also <laughs> the location, just like where to choose. Oh, so important. Um so I want to talk about uh, something that I, I don't think is an issue, but I want to nip it in the bud in case it ever does become an issue. It's actually something my wife brought up after listening to the last episode. You know, she's my number one fan. Of course, she listens. And <laughs> she said, um, I was talking about uh, the logo designer I used for The Art of Floating. And it, she said it sounded like I was advertising for her. Um, which, which I initially disagreed with because it's like, I didn't even remember her name at the beginning. Like if she was advertising, I would have been more on it, but apparently I, I spent enough time, you know, giving her information and what have you that it sounded like I was advertising, uh, her, her services, like as in, uh, I was going to get a cut or we had made some agreement, um, behind the scenes. And, uh, so I just, uh, to our listeners, I really want to make it clear that if it is an advertisement, you are going to absolutely know that it's an advertisement. We're never going to slip something in. Um, and uh, whether it's a, a link where we can, uh, like Amazon links, uh, referral links, you know, we can get a percentage off of that. Uh, I do my best to make sure that that's clear. But more importantly, in, in my opinion, is is the uh, actual paid advertisements to make sure that those are um uh, it's brought up on the show that it is an advertiser. With that being said, uh, Lance, Amy, and I all have to agree on our advertisers as well. Not anybody can advertise on our show. Um, and obviously, we only have one advertiser at the moment, but it's it's possible that we'll have more in the future. Um, and I just want everybody uh, who listens to the show uh, to know that we want to have a certain amount of integrity uh, with how we do the show and who we bring on to the show. And if that were, if we're going to be um, advertising for somebody, we'd be willing to, to use their product and, and believe in it. Um, Lance and Amy, can we, would you agree with that? Have we had a few conversations about that? <laughs> there have been many conversations yeah. about that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's uh, true. We do all have to agree. And it is important who we associate with and, and who we promote. Yeah. For sure. Totally agreed. Mm -hmm. So, so basically, um, I mean, I think people use this show as a resource for starting and running their float centers. I mean, that's the idea, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, we, I think we have a lot of, we, we try to hold ourselves to a particular standard of integrity for, for, uh, what we say and what we put out there, how we represent ourselves. But, um, also again, I just want to reiterate that we, we put that behind our advertisers as well. So, um, I just wanted to say that just because I don't think nobody's ever said anything. It's never come up except, of course, my <laughs> my wife uh, <laughs> uh, calling me out. But um, I, I feel like as if if we air it out early and often, that that's a good thing. So um, that's that's where we're at right now with the show. Um, but uh, speaking of integrity, I wanted to get into something that might be a little bit of a touchy subject. Uh, I'm not sure where exactly this is going to go, but uh, we've brought up on, on many occasions that this is a, a very positive uh, industry and that we have a lot of um, basically the percentage of like just awesome people willing to share information and all of that, the, the percentage of people per industries um, or for any given industry, ours is really high. Like It's a really cool industry. Um, and, and with that being said, <laughs> I, I basically, I just want to put it out there that, um, you should stay aware basically is that, you know, I mean, this is an emerging industry. There's, there's money on the table. And I think, um, pretty much any time that there is money on the table, people can make decisions that aren't in your best interest. It can be in, in their own interest to be quite frank about it. And, um, not to say I have any uh, spe specific examples and certainly not, you know, naming anybody. Um, but basically, I just want to put it out there that um, it is, it's a, it's a wonderful community. You're not going to find something like this very often, um, particularly when, when there is money on the table. But, uh, but just to, to practice awareness and, and who you're speaking with and, and making sure that you, you're doing your due diligence and research and who you're dealing with and um, whether it's, uh, whether it's soundproofing, buying a float tank, I mean, it just whoever you're dealing with, um, pro all the other products that are uh, purchasable, um, you know, t contact other people who have worked with these, these companies and just make sure that it's going to be a good fit for you. I would agree. 
Uh, <laughs> so it is a new industry, and it's true there there could be some some people without the best intentions. And quite frankly, I'd like to add to that as well. There are some people with some very good intentions, but um, ultimately, it is up to you to do your due diligence and know what you're getting yourself into, and and double check recommendations to make sure that they are acceptable in the areas or fall within any regulations that you may have in your own areas. So. Um, always, always, always due diligence, especially when you are starting a new endeavor and you have a limited amount of money, um, check, double check, triple check, uh, do your, do your homework and ask a lot of people, which like Dylan said, this is an industry where people are willing to talk to you. You can call, we have lots of calls, uh, of people Mm -hmm. who want to just ask a few questions and we take them gladly. So don't be afraid to do that with other float centers. Mm Mm-hmm. People are friendly. It's good. Lance, is there anything you wanted to add to that? No, I agree with that. I know there are some people out there that aren't, they're sort of out for their their own interests and not really thinking about the community or the whole. Uh-huh. And we've actually experienced some of that um, with another, with someone we've met along our journeys. Actually, a couple times we've seen that. Um, so, yeah, just always be careful who you're associated with and don't, um, yeah, just just be careful out there. You know, there's a lot of yeah. a lot of amazing people, and usually those are the ones that are participating in, you know, the Facebook groups and showing up to the conference. Mm-hmm. But there are some people that are sort of trying to be sneaky. Yeah, I should I, say. And well, yeah, I know it's kind of weird. It's it, a little it's weird very to talk weird. about, and very and weird. we're so used to always talking about it as a very positive mm-hmm. community, which it is, and I, I can't uh, overstate that, and I, I can't overstate it. Yeah. But but then because we say it all the time, I'm I'm curious if sometimes it gives people uh, ability to just kick back and just accept that everybody's going to be giving them 100. percent You know what I mean? Does that does that last statement make sense? No, it made sense. I think it made sense. Um, okay. I, I I know there are some other people out there um, who don't want to do their own research or don't want to do their own work. So uh-huh. they will just fish and fish and fish and fish and ask question upon question. Oh, like you said, sure. I have no problem with answering questions and helping people uh-huh. if they're willing to help themselves. But I've run uh-huh. into people where they're just you know, the basic things you should have researched um, when opening mm-hmm. a float center, you should already know these things. Mm-hmm. And instead of them doing their research, they'll just email me like I'm Google. Like, I, you uh, know, and right. that sometimes, you know, may get on the nerves. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's somewhat draining when you have to answer fairly basic questions, which yeah. you, you know a float facilitator should already know. Oh, that's interesting. That's taking the conversation in a little bit of a different direction, I, I guess, which is good. I guess good. it has, yeah. But 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 yeah, like um, the the other thing is like yeah, float the float community is super warm and is able to offer a ton of information. But if they don't just just completely give you a sixty page document on how to run a float center, also know that they're busy busting their ass trying to run their own to to a good quality. Um, I think that should be honored and and respected mm-hmm. as well for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, let me follow my my comments up with make make sure you have a few well crafted uh, questions to ask, and then and then you will be greeted with open arms, uh, right. quick, well crafted, and uh, then yeah, kind of get to the point and move on because we are, and you'll know that as soon as you start your center. Oh my goodness! Right, you right. will be so aware of of the time constraints that you have yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. That, and it's really something that, I mean, Sandra and I notice all the time as people who don't own their own businesses just can't relate to your time management or, or the lack of free time that you have and how, how valuable your time becomes. <laughs> and, and, uh, so yeah, if you're, if you're just planning on starting your business, you might find like, yeah, it's just really easy. I just keep, keep contacting this person, getting more information <laughs> or keep talking to them on the phone. And, and, um, I will say, I, I love talking to people on the phone. Actually, I always encourage people to let's talk on Skype instead, because I really like the, the face-to-face stuff. Um, so I, gosh, I also hope I'm not discouraging anybody to reaching out to us yeah, either. Same, and, same. And even if I do get some pretty, uh, I guess, novice or, or junior level questions, I think that's a good assessment to me of where they're at and directing them at, um, instead of necessarily mm-hmm. giving all the answers, and, and maybe it is answers, but saying, you know, this is where I would encourage you to start your research and kind of set them on, on the right trail and leave them in a good place. Yeah, or I agree with you. On the right that. track. Cool. Um, 
and and back to the in- integrity part. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I just I just want to add one more thing. No, it's great. It's great. I just want to say hold us to that level too. Um, as you're listening to the show, if anything ever comes up that you feel like um, we're not holding ourselves to the right standard that we should be, um, let us know and and uh, you know we'll we'll respond to you with with why we made our decision or we'll correct it because of that. Um, and if we're not willing to, then then we're probably not the right fit for you. But I would like to think that we we hold ourselves to a very high level of, of integrity. That is why we have the speak pipe as well. That's there just for those reasons. If you don't agree with something, let us know. And we're, I should speak for myself here, but I'm constantly learning. So, you know, I'm speaking with Amy and, and Dylan all the time and get to get, get to hear their input, um, which is great. But from outside resources, that's even, that's powerful. So yeah, I'm always absolutely. learning here. So if you have something to teach me, please leave us a speak pipe, send us an email, do something. Um, and especially if I say something that's out of whack, yeah. sometimes I get sort of hot headed in front of this microphone, all nervous. And sometimes <laughs> things just come out. So I, I do want to be corrected when uh, <laughs> I do say these I things. I said, what? <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> Yeah, agreed. And and the only reason I encourage the speak pipes over over email and, and both are completely fine. Um, it's just they play better over a podcast because I uh, you you just heard me <laughs> read emails. You'd way rather hear somebody say it straight straight into the microphone than have me reread uh, what they said. Cool. So yeah, nothing nothing crazy or weird or anything. I just uh, just an interesting thing that Sandra had brought up, and I wanted to clear the air on on how our advertising works and um, where we're at as as podcasters and. Um, just the, the kind of level we want to hold ourselves to and, and just make sure that everybody stays sharp and, and stays um, taking care of themselves um, just because it's such an open uh, community. Is there anything else either of you want to add uh, as we wrap the show up here? I think you covered it beautifully. Okay. <laughs> Lance, anything you want to add? Nope. I believe that is everything. We have covered everything in today's episode. There's Perfect. nothing left to talk about. This is it. This Guess is we're last. done. It was we're nice. done. Yeah, it was a good run, guys. (laughs) Um, Let's see here. Uh, Before before we leave here, I just no nothing more to add. Nothing more to add. I just want to let people know that you can find us on Facebook, the art of uh, the art of floating podcast, on Twitter at Artful Floating, and and not that we have have not mentioned this enough, but you can leave a speak pipe, which is a a voicemail on theartoffloating.com. So uh, until next time, everybody, it's been a lot of fun. It always is, and we'll we'll see you next week. listening to the Art of Floating podcast. 